Welcome to Lady T Speaks Podcast. I'm your host, Tamika, bringing you stories of triumph and inspiration. Today's special guest is an actress who co-stars on the new hit show, Tyler Perry's Ruthless. Please welcome the talented Yvonne Sana-Jones. Hi, Yvonne. (laughs) Hi, how are you, Tamika? I'm good. Thank you for doing the show, Yvonne. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Thank you. For sure. So the coronavirus, everyone's affected, but how is it affecting you? Uh, You know, it's funny. My husband and I have a production company, and so we do a lot of work from home. So we are one of those people who, those groups of people who are used to the stay-at-home situation anyway. Uh, So that's been good. It hasn't been too hard of a transition. I do miss driving down to see my mom. Uh, We're doing a lot of FaceTime. And I think probably it's actually, I found that it's brought my family closer together on certain sides. Uh, So my cousins were all somewhat far from each other, but we've been doing virtual game nights every week and it's been awesome. (laughs) Wow. That sounds pretty cool. So how is it being handled in the state in which you live? We're in Southern California, but San Francisco was the first to do their stay-at-home order, and we followed closely behind. So actually, thank God, we have the fewest amount of cases per capita, I believe, in association with our size of our state. So that's a blessing. What it is is that we stay at home. We have to wear masks. Uh, They have, which I think is wonderful, the first hour of the grocery store is dedicated to senior citizens to go. And then after that, you uh, stand in the line, <laughs> feet away from each other, and then you get to go in and go out. Pretty much, I guess, what's happening all over the country. So uh, we've been in-house for at least, well, for, it's going on two months now, to be honest with you. Uh, so it's, it's been a while. <laughs> Are you going crazy? You know, thankfully, my husband and I are used to having to be at home together. <laughs> so we've had a few years of practice <laughs> since we worked together. Uh, however, yes, that walk to the mailbox has been like life and <laughs> <laughs> getting sure. me out of this house. Yes. Uh, so it it is a little bit when it comes to knowing what day it is, you know, as I'm sure everybody's kind of experiencing and deciding is today one of my super productive days or is today my Netflix day. (laughs) So uh, that's kind of been the way that it is. I will be very grateful to get out because like I said, we're very close family Uh, on my mom's side of the family. We're Bolivian and we're used to getting together at least once a week as a group. So I think that's been kind of hard. That's great. You guys are close-knit that way. Yeah, I love it. I really do. As we talk about your mom and your family, how did you grow up? Okay, so like I said, my mom is Bolivian, which is very rare (laughs) for the United States. Not too many Bolivians outside of my family that I've met. Uh, And my dad is Haitian. So uh, I have been to Bolivia. I have yet to be to Haiti because my dad's pretty protective of his daughters and that he wants the political climate and just different things to kind of calm down. He goes annually. He was raised there and grew up there and everything. But I really do want to go. So yes, Bolivian and Haitian. And actually, uh, my mom remarried when I was three years old. And my dad is a redhead from the Midwest. <laughs> my stepdad, I call him my dad. So it's like I have two dads. Uh, they actually both walked me down the aisle, which was awesome. And I'm really grateful for my family dynamic because I know, you know, families of divorce don't always work that way. <laughs> yeah. Where 
people can at least be in the same room with each other and, you know, be kind to each other. So I'm really grateful for that. But it did give me a very different childhood experience, very unique childhood experience growing up with pretty much being the only Black person in my household. But I think what it has done for me as an older woman has made me much more hungry to uh, study my culture and uh, on both sides, but definitely because I had less exposure to my Haitian side, that side of my culture and studying it now as an adult woman, because it makes up so much of who I am. Well, come to the East Coast, the Caribbean. I know, right? Yeah, the Caribbean <laughs> uh, community is very live and well. Yes, all of my uh, my dad is one of seven, I believe, and all of those siblings are in Florida. My, my brother is in Florida. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely love going out there. <laughs> As we talk about your life, what were some of the experiences that shaped you into being who you are? Well, I feel like I was always sensitive. I did get bullied in school pretty much from, I would say it was elementary, so it was about fourth grade all the way to junior high. Uh, in junior high, the principal had to get involved on my senior year because it had gotten too aggressive. I think a lot had to do with I didn't fit in <laughs> anywhere. Like I said, it was so it was the early 90s. Although I look black, I didn't quote unquote sound black, you know, uh, and so I wasn't really accepted into the black community at an earlier age. I was in high school. But I think when you're younger in elementary school, that's the first thing that you think of is, okay, we're in groups, like who's the closest related to me and the kind of personality I have and the background I have. I think once you're in high school, once you're in college, you start understanding that people are going to come from a much more complex background and people, nobody's going to be in a box. There's no way to sound Black. You know, there's so many of us and we all sound different. And American Black is different than Haitian Blacks and different than Caribbean Blacks. You know what I mean? So unfortunately, though, in elementary school, as is the case with a lot of people, I was bullied because I just I didn't fit in in any category, really. And so I do believe that it made me very sensitive to how people feel. As far as I, I'm now a high school teacher, actually, I work with a nonprofit City Hearts and I teach drama three times a week at a high school. I've been there for six years. That experience made me very hypersensitive to any kind of isolation that might happen to people or bullying that might be happening. It absolutely cannot happen in my class. <laughs> I am on top of it, but it stems from me wanting people to treat others the way they want to be treated. And so I feel like that sensitivity that was developed at a young age because of that experience has really helped me in my career because it is all about taking on the feelings of somebody else, whether it be someone real or fictional on paper and seeing things from their point of view and how they're looking at the world and how the treatment of them is, etc. So that was my experience growing up, actually. That's beautiful. You have taken your experiences and now used it to advocate and help others. Absolutely. Yeah, I just recently got to have a Q&A with some uh, high school girls in Chicago, and there was a beautiful girl there in the group, and she had a hijab on covering her head. And her question was, how was your journey to finding yourself? Or did you face any adversity growing up? And I asked her, are you currently facing adversity? And she said, yes, because again, she doesn't fit into the the normal box that we expect certain cultures to fall into. And we're not used to seeing people in America who look like us in a hijab, maybe, you know, maybe if you went to Africa, you would see a lot more, obviously. So 
it's nice to be able to speak to others who are going through it in different ways. I, another girl in the group actually grew up in South Carolina, but we were in Atlanta and she was also having to deal with the same thing because they thought she was a little country, you know? So it's nice to be able to help from something that was so painful. And I think that's the beauty is that God's able to use bad things that happen to you, which I don't personally don't believe. Uh, I believe personally that God is good. And so I don't believe those things are caused by him, but I do feel like he's able to use those things and you're able to use those things if you're open to help other people who experience similarly bad things. Absolutely. Our trials make us strong. And that strength can be extended to someone who needs it. Completely, which is why I was so excited about your podcast, because I see that's what you're doing. You're allowing people to share pain, the pain that they experience in their life or possibly still experiencing, but how they are using it for good and using it to help other people. And it's so crucial, especially in this time right now. A lot of people are in a lot of pain, whether it be financially, emotionally, not being able to see family that has passed, which is something that people I know are dealing with. So there's a lot of pain happening right now amidst all of this, you know, with the virus. But I'm just consistently overwhelmed at the good that comes out of it with the GoFundMe's that people are doing raising thousands of dollars from people who don't, you know, I mean, obviously don't give a lot if you can't, if you don't have it, but people are able to raise a lot of money, even in this uncertain time. Why? Because people are still striving for good amidst the bad. And it's really incredible time. You know, I just pray that we all come through this situation as best as we can. It's really a difficult time. That we don't forget <laughs> what this experience has taught us either about humanity. Absolutely. We are all we have. It's about people helping people. And if that stops, we're in trouble. Yes, it's true. It's yeah. true. Everyone has a part to play completely. All right. Well, switching gears, let's talk about <laughs> Ruthless. I love your work on Ruthless. My friends and I watch the show. So oh, wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. So excited. (laughs) How did you land the role as Tally? Uh, Well, it was a surprise. (laughs) Uh, I was just talking to an actor, several actor friends of mine, and we were kind of commiserating that everybody, it seems like everybody who gets, you know, that dream job, that dream gig, that booking where you, quote unquote, you made it, you know, which a series regular is at the top of, all of our actor goal lists. (laughs) So it definitely was a surprise. But we were commiserating that it seems like the story behind it is always, oh, I was ready to quit acting. Oh, I was just about to quit. And then it came in. And all of us are like, "Uh, we wanted to quit like 10 million times. (laughs) And we didn't book a, you know, series regular. And it's funny because that was my story too on this one. But what we realized is it's because those people got back up. It's not that that was the first time. And same with me when I booked this, it wasn't the first time I had decided or said to myself, no, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. This is too challenging. I need to, I have a master's, but I was said, I'm going to go back to school, get something else <laughs> that's going to make me some money uh, because I'm a master's in acting. But it just had to do with it just happened to be that time that I said that as opposed to the previous times. And the great thing is that I have had those moments and I was in that place too, where I was very frustrated with my career in that 
there's just a great time span. And I don't think actors realize that when we first come into acting, that there's these massive gaps between bookings, right? And so you can't base your success in this career off of if you book or if you don't book, because there's a ton of factors involved. So I think the success can be based off of the maintaining of relationships, as in casting directors keep calling you back, which is what happened with Tyler Perry. So I know that was a roundabout way, but I definitely wanted to talk about uh, that because I know a lot of actors, when they hear people say, oh, I was at the end of my rope, uh, it can be sometimes depressing because they feel like, okay, but then why was it successful for them? But I'm at the end of my rope. It's not successful for me. I believe they were at the end of the rope multiple times that they just decided in some way, somehow they were going to keep moving, keep moving. And then eventually, uh, whether they were burned out at the end or eventually whether they were excited at the end, boom, here came that opportunity. It was just that they stayed at it, stayed with it. So I had been auditioning for Kim Coleman's office. She's the casting director for Tyler Perry out here in LA. And he, you know him, he writes crazy amounts of work in such a short amount of time. So he had several pilots being cast at the same time. And I got called in for one of them, for sisters, actually. I got called in for one of the leads and sisters and got a call back and got, you know, he flies you to Atlanta. It's an incredible experience. And I came back and I heard nothing. And that was like the third audition I had done for Kim Coleman's office, which again is why those relationships are important, you know, because uh, she kept bringing me back in. And then just a week later, after I saw that Sisters was cast and things seemed to be like just plugging along with the Oval and everything as well, I got a call in for Tally. She was a re-release of a role. And I went in and I did my audition, just like every other audition. And I left. And then two days later, I got the phone call from my agent. Hey, they want you to come to Atlanta on Monday. They're going to start filming the Oval. And I was just, I was completely floored. <laughs> now, this was my... This wasn't the series regular. This was the recurring. So, uh, you know, they come in different tiers, series regular being the top, top, you know, but recurring was still my first ever recurring. So, yeah, I was I was blown away off of this recurring role. But the thing that was crazy about it, and this is just, I feel the grace of God in my life and what he had, I truly believe what's for you is for you and that everybody has their own path as far as uh, things that, Everybody just has their own journey and it's going to look different, but it's going to be incredible no matter what. So I booked that. I did my episodes, eight episodes for the Oval as Tally, the character. And at the end, I, I'm a big thank you card person. So I gave Tyler Perry a thank you card. Also, he is like always running, running, running. So you got to, you can't, you're not going to necessarily get a second to talk to him. So I wrote it down and I said, thank you. Today's my last day. And he shook my hand and he said, oh, but it won't be your last time on set. We're going to bring you back. And that, Tamika, wow. was like... Wow. Uh, Mind what? blown. Yes. Mind blown. And yeah. little did I know that he had this other series in his mind. Again, the man works just... He's a genius. He's really a genius uh, how he can do all these things at once. But he had Ruthless already in his mind. And so when he created it, he brought me, my character, Tally, and Ruth over and did a spinoff series of The Oval with, as you know now, Ruthless. And my recurring got transferred right into a series regular. It was nothing but the grace of God. Like, I can't orchestrate it. I can't plan it. It was just favor. It was just a massive blessing, a massive blessing. So that's why I feel so 
like it's so necessary to tell my story because the only reason I was I was even able to make it to those auditions at that time was because I've filled myself up on those moments when I was done with podcasts like yours, hearing other people make it because everybody has adversity of different kinds in whatever field you're going through. The bottom line is, are you going to keep pushing? Because you have to just believe that that blessing is on its way. That blessing is on its way. It's going to get there. Just be faithful and it'll arrive. (laughs) It'll be great. It'll be beyond your wildest dreams. Yeah, you are basically making history with Tyler Perry being a part of what he's doing. This is the first ever series on the BET Plus platform. Yes, this is the first original series on BET Plus's platform. So that is, when you said it, it was like, oh, Lord, that is history. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> the show is on hiatus until 4.30. We cannot wait. We need to know. The show is absolutely crazy. Crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Yes. <laughs> yes. I know so many people are asking, when does it come out? When does it come out? And we're asking too, because we didn't, we haven't seen the edited version of this. So we watch the same time you guys watch. So we're anxious too <laughs> for the 30th to get here so we can, you know, see what's going to happen to Tally next. See what's going to happen with everybody next. Yeah. So, and yeah, I think the biggest question that everyone has, you know, they want to know how it all ties because most people, the questions that they ask, okay, well, if Tally got shot on the Oval, then when will she get shot yeah. on the show? <laughs> Everybody's trying to connect the dots. Everyone is trying to connect the dots. And I'm like, you just have to keep watching. You have to trust Tyler Perry's mind. <laughs> it's exciting. He, he is just, it's a gift. And I think I'm just, I'm just grateful for him. Honestly, speaking along the lines of people who, have really sought after their purpose. Like, I think that's why I'm so excited for your podcast because Tyler Perry had so many dreams connected to his. You know what I mean? Like just this year alone, 500,000 people were able to work through his studio. 500,000 employees went through that gate. So that's just this year. And he's been doing this for how long and how long is he going to continue? So I always have to think on that. If I'm facing a difficulty or if I'm being challenged, how many people's dreams are attached to mine? And how selfish would it be of me to just give up knowing what I know about Tyler, that he was homeless in his car and kept pushing to get to where he is now to give us all these opportunities, you know? So being just there is an inspiration on its own. Just him, the facility, just the whole uh, studio is an inspiration all on its own. (laughs) Well, thank God you have been given this wonderful, incredible opportunity. You are definitely a superstar after this. (laughs) (laughs) You definitely are. No, you need to call my mom and she will let you know she's not yet. (laughs) Mom always keeps us Yeah. Yeah. Mom wants to make sure we're humble and kind. That's the bottom line. No matter how many screens we get on, because it is the goal, right? The, The fame uh, makes for a wonderful platform to do good. So I'm not denying it. I do uh, welcome it. But that platform, we better be using it for good because a lot of people helped us to get here. Absolutely. Where can people find you on social media and what's your website? Yes, thankfully it's all the same name. So once you get the spelling right, you're golden. <laughs> uh, it's Yvonne, Y, V is in Victor, O, and is a Nancy, and is a Nancy E, Yvonne, and my last name, Sana, 
So it's Haitian. So it's got a silent T hiding out there. So I tell everybody, spell it like Senate of the House and take the E off. So S-E-N-A-T, Yvonne Senat. Uh, and you put that as a handle. My uh, website is Yvonne Senat, just add Jones at the end because I'm married. <laughs> and that's how you can find my website. So Yvonne Senat Jones. The links to Yvonne's website and social media handles will be included in the description of this episode. So you can catch Ruthless on BET Plus, the app, and all new episodes airs every Thursday. And we will be watching. Okay. <laughs> all right. Thank you. So thank you for thank coming for watching. on the show. I appreciate you for doing that. No problem. It's my honor. It's my honor. Thank you for having something like this for us. I appreciate it. And you are listening to Lady T Speak. 